0: You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740.
1: show with Richard Sarin from Zuma Radio AM 740. And welcome to the Audio Imaginarium. Come on in weary travelers, hang your cloak on a peg, grab a stool, and come gather around the fire. There are stories to be told, and you are among friends. I am uh, broadcasting from my lair up in Thornhill, north of Toronto. Uh, Ian is behind the big audio board back at Zoomerplex in Liberty Village. Uh, Ryan is in his bunker in deepest, darkest East York. He's producing the live stream tonight. And my story producer, Albert, is on assignment. Uh, This hour, Ask Me Anything. Open lines. I'll give you the phone numbers right now and you can get on board at 416. This is the Greater Toronto Area. 416-360-0740. 416-360-0740 in the Greater Toronto Area. And toll free from just about anywhere. 1-866-740-4740. one 1- Coming up in the next hour, Rosemary Ellen Guiley. And you guessed it, she has another book. She is just remarkable. Uh, The the last visit with Rosemary, just, uh, oh, was it in September, I think? Or maybe the month before, she had a brand new book out. Uh, And this one is another fate Anthology from Fate Magazine, Fate Anthology, and she's compiled it, edited it, and, con- and contributed uh, some articles to this uh, anthology. It's uh, on UFOs and ETs. Fate presents UFOs and the E.T. presence. Uh, but uh, since this will be our last visit with Rosemary before Halloween, we'll also talk about ghosts and goblins and things that go bump in the night, no doubt. And uh, I'll also carve out some time for you to talk to Rosemary as well. Maybe you have a ghost story you'd like to share. Let's see. Let's just see if you can raise the hackles on the back of my neck with one of your ghost stories. I doubt you'll be able to scare Rosemary. I'm, I'm guessing she's pretty much inured to that kind of thing. I would think, but you never know. Now, speaking of ghosts, three in five people, three in five people I believe they have come face to face with a ghost at some point in their lifetime. And as well as seeing a ghost in real life, 40% of people think their pets have had a ghostly encounter. Uh, But people's way of dealing with uh, meeting a ghost aren't far from those in the movies. The typical reactions tend to be fainting, screaming, crying, or running away. I would probably do all four. Mm -hmm. Uh, Women, despite being more likely to see a ghost by 20%, did you get that? Women are 20% more likely to see a ghost. They're also twice as likely to scream and run away. Uh, This was a study conducted by one poll. One poll, all one word, on behalf of Groupon. I wonder why Groupon would be doing this. Uh, they also found that one in three people believe their house is haunted. One in three. So we can talk ghost stories if you like, and we'll also pick that up with Rosemary in hour two. Now I see that uh, creepy clowns are back in the news. Creepy clown reports. Uh, this time in uh, Great Britain, there was an incident with a knife-wielding clown over there recently menacing some children. And I'm wondering if, if this has all been inspired, if you will, by Stephen King's book It, which came out over 30 years ago. And then, of course, there was the, the original It movie, which came out in 1990. And then there was the reboot of It, which I, ca- I think came out last year. Which is scarier, by the by? Which is scarier, the book, the 1990 movie, or the 2017 movie? I've not read the book, nor have I seen the movies. But that might be kind of fun. Why don't we kick that around as well? The scariest movies ever made. The scariest movies ever made. For me, it was actually a trailer, not even the movie. It was uh, 1966. It was a cult classic B movie called The Queen of Blood. Has anyone out there seen that? I haven't actually seen the movie. As I say, I only saw the trailer, and that was enough. Um, This was, uh, who was in that? Uh, Basil Rathbone, I think. And uh, young Dennis Hopper and John Saxon and uh, Forrest J. Ackerman who, of course, went on to publish a very famous magazine called Famous Monsters of Filmland, uh, which first started publishing in the late 50s. And, and Famous Monsters of Filmland inspired countless Hollywood directors, uh, not only in the in the horror genre, like people like John Carpenter, uh, but, but people like Steven Spielberg as well were very inspired. Anyway, uh, Forrest J. Ackerman made an appearance in The Queen of Blood. And then there was this, lovely Czech actress named Florence Marley. And she played the alien queen who also happened to be a vampire. Uh, And as I say, I just, I saw the trailer. Uh, My parents back in, I think about 1967, 68, I was three or four years old. If they wanted to go to the movies, they had to take us, us being five children with them usually. Try getting a babysitter for five kids. Not that easy. So on this particular night, we piled into the uh, family station wagon, a 1962 Valiant. And my mom and dad went, they wanted to see, was a Debbie Reynolds, Dick Van Dyke movie called Divorce American Style. I don't know if you remember it. So we went to the Breezes Drive-In in in Brantford, or it might have been the sunset, but I think it was the Breezes Drive-In. And we had a, a padded kind of a a foam pad in in the very back of the station wagon. It was covered with some nice terry cloth, and we piled in there with our pajamas. How exciting was that when you were a child, right? You were going out into the car after dark with your pajamas on. So um, me and my four older siblings piled into the Valiant. Off we went to the Breeze's drive-in, and we were sort of expected just to kind of fall asleep, In the back, while my mom and dad watched Divorce American Style. Not an inappropriate movie, but not of of particular interest to a four-year-old. But before I fell asleep, of course, they ran the trailers before the the main feature. And there it was, The Queen of Blood. And as I say, I've never seen the movie. I'm sure if I did, I would laugh about it now because it looks like it's pretty campy. But for a three- or four-year-old, this alien vampire in outer space, I tell you, so... Uh, Florence Marley in her Alien Queen get-up would haunt my nightmares for the next 25 years. So, that was it for me. Uh, and then and later, I watched the pilot for a TV series called The Night Stalker. This was the pilot that aired, I think it was like an ABC or NBC uh, night um, premiere uh, um Anyway, it was like a Monday or Tuesday night, and this was the Night Stalker. The, the, the pilot episode was about this vampire that was stalking Las Vegas. And I tell you, that, that was it for me. I was, I think, maybe eight or nine years old, seven or eight years old maybe. And uh, so my scariest moments on screen actually weren't even – Films. One was a, a movie trailer and the other was a, a, a made-for-TV movie, a pilot episode. So maybe we can share your fair, your uh, your scariest movies as well. Now, we could go in a completely different direction. If you'd like, we could talk geopolitics. I know the, the disappearance of um, Jamal Khashoggi uh, is on everyone's mind. And uh, Turkey is saying that a Saudi hit team is behind his disappearance and murder and that much of his interrogation and torture and murder uh, was recorded on his Apple watch and uploaded to iCloud uh, and may have been overheard by his uh, fiance who was apparently waiting outside the consulate in in Istanbul in their car. She waited out there something like 10 or 11 hours, then came back the next day. And of course he's completely vanished. Uh, And this has far reaching geopolitical implications. Uh, and we can get into that as well. 416-360-0740 in the GTA. 416-360-0740. And toll free from just about anywhere. 1-866-740-4740. 4740 Let me try that again. 1-866-740-4740. Now, I want to also... Because I've neglected this, uh, and I hope you'll all forgive me, all of you in the uh, the live chat. It's been a while since I've acknowledged you, and I apologize for that. But I just—it's um, been a while actually since we've had the live stream. We did it last week, and then before that, it was—it it had been a while. But I just wanted to say and acknowledge some of you who join us in the live chat at the YouTube channel, uh, Brown Dwarf. Now here's one, Charmaine. I hope I'm not mispronouncing that. And um, uh, Charmaine is checking in from South Africa, where it's almost, well, it's after 5 in the morning. So, Charmaine, great to hear from you. Thank you. And uh, let's see. We have uh, George Barry in Omaha, Nebraska. Uh, Who else do we have? Uh, Gianni Marmerstein. Marmerstein. Hello, Gianni. Uh, Kenny Poison in Colorado Springs. Redcap Goblin. Let's see. Raz 2. Checking in from the UK. Gord. Gord Oland. Gord joins us every week. You bet she joins us every week. Great to hear from her, to see both of you. Uh, Luna. Uh, Luna is beautiful this evening. Sorry, that's from VC. Who's Luna? I'm not sure. Oh, VC in the Carolinas. Uh, let's see. Who else do we have? Gang of Four. Gang of four, uh, Baji Kimran. Hello, Baji. All right, I'll try to, uh, John Schwartz. Hello to all of you. Great to have you on the, uh, the YouTube live chat. Incidentally, please check out the YouTube live channel. And uh, if you haven't already, please hit that red sub button. Uh, Ryan, back in East York in the bunker, I think, what are we, around 11,400 subs. So let's see how quickly we can get that up to 12,000. And just a reminder, my podcasts, of course, Conspiracy Unlimited, Conspiracy Unlimited. New episodes drop every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And um, you can go to conspiracyunlimitedpodcast.com conspiracyunlimitedpodcast.com to listen and subscribe. And don't forget about the Rock and Roll Twilight Zone. If you love rock and roll and the paranormal and unsolved mer- mysteries and so forth, the Rock and Roll Twi- Twilight Zone, new episodes drop every Wednesday. And you can just Google it or you can go to strangeplanet.ca strangeplanet.ca and you can access it from there. And speaking of the website, uh, we are updating it You may notice if you go to the homepage, we've uh, kind of streamlined it and changed that. Put a new coat of paint on the old website. And the actual radio page, the page for the conspiracy show, that is going to be updated, streamlined, modernized, and made far more mobile-friendly in uh, the days and weeks ahead. So if you haven't already uh, done so, check out strangeplanet.ca. One more announcement before we head into a break, and that is a live event that I'm hosting Saturday, October the 20th. Saturday, October the 20th, the discoverer of reverse speech, David John Oates. He's coming to Toronto actually for three dates, the 18th, 19th, and 20th of October. But I'll be hosting on Saturday, October the 20th. You'll get to meet David John Oates. I'll be there. He's going to try and solve the JFK case Using reverse speech, you can meet him and and learn about this remarkable discovery. Reverse speech, hear it firsthand, and also, um, uh, well, this is happening at the uh, Greek Orthodox Church Metamorphosis, Greek Orthodox Church in Toronto, Forty Donlands Avenue, Forty Donlands Avenue, right across from the Donlands Subway Station in Toronto, and um, October eighteenth and nineteenth. It's 7 to 9 p.m., $10 at the door. That's October 19th, sorry, 18th and 19th. Uh, That's 7 to 9 p.m., $10 at the door. And then on the 20th, Saturday, October 20th, I'll be hosting. And that is $15 at the door, 2 to 5 p.m. Hope to see you there. For more information, go to reversespeech.com. This is a presentation of Crime and Trauma Scene Cleaners. New sponsors. Glad to have him aboard. All right, open lines. When we come back, The Conspiracy Show. My name is Richard Sarrett.
0: When you look at the sky, ever wonder if someone's looking back? This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett from Zoomer Radio. To speak with Richard live, call 416 360 0740. Or toll-free at 1-866-740-4740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Curiosity, or did the devil make you do it? Whatever the reason, welcome back to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. From Zoomer Radio. To talk to Richard, call 416-360-0740 or toll free at 1-866-740-4740.
1: All right, welcome back indeed. And uh, this hour, open lines, ask me anything. And uh, let's see, we are going to start with, I believe we have, is it Ray? Rob, Rob is in Scarborough. Rob, good evening. Welcome to The Conspiracy Show. How are you, my friend? I'm
2: okay, Richard. How are you?
1: Terrific. Thank you.
2: I love your show.
1: I appreciate that.
2: Yeah. Um. Anyway, I, I had uh, Twittered you a few years ago about hit, getting getting what I thought was hit by an energy weapon on the beach in Toronto.
1: You thought you were getting hit
2: by an energy I, weapon? I was. No, I absolutely was you know, as far as I'm concerned, was hit by an energy weapon. I was knocked over. I was rollerblading. And I had tweeted you about this and you had answered me and asked me how I was. I I, I ended up getting surgery because of it.
1: Oh, wow. So this yeah. would have been, so you're rollerblading. This is along the boardwalk. Is this like yeah, Kew Gardens? Well,
2: along, the, along the concrete. However, there was no one there. It was early in the morning and the, there was a police SWAT unit. And this was around when the G20 was happening. So they were, I guess, testing their weapons. I don't know. And I mean, this is the conspiracy show. So I have no proof. However, I, uh, I I'm a good skater. I felt like I was hit with a, with a, six by six piece of wood and I was knocked flat right out and ended up wow. surgery on my neck because of it. And I still have nerve damage to this day.
1: So did you hear anything before you, before no. you went down?
2: I, nothing, nothing. It was just, it was just so quick. And then when I, you know, I was in pain and you know, calling for someone, I looked up and they were gone. There was no one around and the police, you know, the, the thing was gone. It was gone.
1: Did you black out?
2: Uh, for a second or two I did, yes.
1: Mm. It was did anyone come a whiplash to your thing. Pardon me? Right. Did anyone come to your assistance?
2: No, no. I, I laid there for about 15 minutes, got up and walked my bike back home. And then went to the doctor and found out that I had uh, some, it was a form of whiplash.
1: Sure, sure. Yeah. Uh, so what do you think it might have been some sort of a microwave weapon?
2: I really uh, couldn't say. I mean, I when that's I heard about the G20 and the weapons that they had they had apparently on hand, you know, there was the sound weapon, but I knew you know, I could just tell that they had other things also.
1: Right. The sound because, cannon. Because of the right.
2: characters that were involved with the G20. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean the people on the street. I mean, you know, the powers that be so to, so to speak.
1: Now was there anyone else around you because that type of no one. weapon these are sort of non-lethal weapons supposedly although uh, I'm sure it's you don't look scared, at it that way but, I mean I yeah don't but they they're somewhat indiscriminate one would think at this point so if there were other people around you would think they would have been knocked over as well but there was no one around at the time There was no
2: one around it was early in the morning very early in the morning Hm um, and I also wanted to ask you how do you decompress all of this information that you get in your head. I mean, I'm a (laughs) big conspiracy theorist myself, and I just, you know, I listen to your show, and at the end of the night, I have to decompress. I can't imagine how you do it throughout the years.
1: Well, I think I've made this point a number of times. I don't consider, even though it's called the conspiracy show. Uh, I don't consider myself to be a conspiracy theorist. I I, I certainly think uh, a number of conspiracies have a great deal of validity. Mm -hmm. Others, not so much. But the key for me has always been to compartmentalize. I don't live it. I talk about it for a living, but I don't live it. I mean, I'm interested in it, but it doesn't consume my waking hours. I have, you know, a lot of other things that sort of keep me busy throughout the day, throughout the week. So that's the key. Mm-hmm. I, I have a, I had a colleague um, in, in this town who, who not only talked about it, but he lived it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he, he, you know, he walked the walk and he talked the talk. And and if if he. When we worked at the same radio station, if he were to, I won't say corner me, that sounds unkind. But if we were to meet at the coffee urn and and he would start to talk, there was no getting away from him. You basically kissed off 20 minutes of your work day mm-hmm. yeah. because he was so consumed by it. And I, I just made a decision at a very, very early on when I started down this path. I wasn't going to let it consume me and I, would, I, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't deal with it except primarily when I'm, when I'm prepare, preparing for the show and when I'm on air. So that's pretty much it. All right. Listen, Rob, um, I hope you're, um, you're, you're fully on the mend. I know you still have some nerve damage, but uh, thank you for sharing that. And I appreciate you calling in from Scarborough.
2: Thank you. Have a good night.
1: You too. All right. We're going to go to my hometown, Brantford, Ontario, on the beautiful Grand River Hunter Hello, Hunter. Welcome. Uh, good evening, Richard. How are you?
3: Oh, not too bad. Um, I'm, I'm kind of looking for uh, help with uh, something that um, I want to see fly if I can. Um, since the beginning of the summer, I've been trying to get. Um, uh, uh, how do I put this? So i trying to get a line to. Uh, uh, the federal liberals about um, a suggestion that I have for um, to solve their uh, their pipeline problem, and I just can't get any cooperation from anybody. You know, you you think I was trying to smuggle a, uh, a an atom bomb through the back door or something? It's just <laughs> insane.
1: Well, maybe you should try. Going across the floor and um, uh, try the conservatives. Maybe they might be a little more open to it. And who knows? They may be forming the next government in about one year's time.
3: I don't know. I've got a, I've got a bad taste in my mouth from things from the past. With that, I, I, I really don't want to go in that direction if I can help
1: it. You don't want to go in the conservative direction. if
3: you No, can help not it. at all.
1: Well, what if they? What if they end up forming the next government? No.
3: I mean. I don't even know. I don't really want to think about it, and uh, I don't. I don't even know what to say about that. I'm, I'm really hoping that's not the case. But uh, you know, uh, I, I think that uh, trying to solve the problem from the end, I'm trying to take it uh, from right now, is, is more important than that. I don't see why. I don't see why um, I'm getting that kind of reaction from everyone.
1: You're not sure why you're not being listened to. I yeah. mean, is that a rhetorical? Is that yeah. a rhetorical question? It's insane. Is that a rhetorical? Well, no. I mean, that's pretty much how it goes, isn't it? Um, once people once they get in power, they're they're not really interested in in listening to us. But I'll tell you one thing about the pipeline. I think it's ridiculous. Here we are in 2018. the The fact that we, I mean, our energy resources, we have something like a hundred times. U.S. oil uh, uh, in the ground a hundred times. We we should be an energy superpower. The fact that we do not have a pipeline stretching from the west coast to the east coast to me is is just mind boggling. I mean, I don't care who's in power. Uh, the fact you know that they can't get that done, it should have been done fifty years ago. I just I just think it's a joke. It's a joke. Um, anyway, uh, good luck. Just keep hammering on that door. Maybe someone will answer. Look, Great to hear from you. Walter.
3: Is there any way yeah. that, I mean, if you were to come across someone that could, could possibly steer me in some direction, that, uh, that uh, you could get a hold of me? Because, it's, it's, you know, it's just been in my head. And, and my idea is so simple. Um, if I can get it across and it we're actually viable, then uh, it might save a lot of people a lot of headaches. Well,
1: have you tried, have you tried your MP?
3: Uh, yeah, but uh, I actually know our, our MP down here. I went to high school with him, but he's uh, he's um, he's conservative.
1: Right, okay. All right, well, what did you think of your idea?
3: Oh, I haven't let the cat out of the bag. I don't want to do that. Um, I, don't, I don't want somebody else, um, if it actually were to, uh, to fly, I don't want anybody else taking, uh, you know, taking, uh, help me out with the word I'm looking for. from Credit? The, yeah, I I don't want that to happen.
1: Well, Hunter, all I can say, I mean, I I have no other, I don't have any uh, secret, uh, you know, uh, remedies for you. You just got to just try all the regular channels. Try all the regular channels. All right. Good luck with that. Uh, Keith is in Mississauga, wants to share a scary story. Hey, Keith. How are you? Terrific. How are you?
4: Not too bad for an old fella. Uh, my story goes way back to pre-teens when I lived in Ottawa, and, uh, before, before you were 16, you had to get somebody to buy your ticket after six o'clock in the evening, 6 p.m., and at the center theater on Spark Street, they were playing the Mummy's Tomb. Oh. And I got a person to buy my ticket, and I think it was a quarter, we'll say a quarter, and then you could hide in the theater and from the ushers and all that. But, you saved your shoes by putting clips on them. At that time, you didn't buy new shoes. Money was short, so what you did was put a clip on it and take them to the shoe store and get a clip on it. And my mother said, when I got to Albert Street and Lyon Street where I lived on Lyon Laurier, she could hear me running down the street with my clips. Because you were
1: so scared. Yeah. Now who who was in the <laughs> Mummy's I Tomb? I
4: liked a deer. I could run like a deer.
1: Who was in that movie?
4: Oh, Boris Karloff.
1: I believe. Oh, of course.
4: Yeah, of course. Boris Karloff. Karloff. He was the first monster back in the 40s,
1: wasn't he? Well, uh, I know he, was yeah, a, he played Frankenstein's monster.
4: He was yeah. the bad guy in some of the Westerns. He, became, uh, he was in a couple of times. He was in it once or twice, but I think uh, I remember Boris Karloff.
1: Boris Karloff, Lon Chaney, of course, yeah, Lon, Lon Chaney Jr., Chaney, Wolf who played the Wolfman, Man and, and uh, yeah, Bela Lugosi, all the greats, yeah, all yeah. the greats from back in the 30s and 40s. Yeah. Oh, now, I you know, mean, it's funny, when I you look back at those those I'm movies, thinking. they seem so innocent yeah. and so charming, and, and now what do we have? We have these gory, horrific slash Slash 'em yeah. type movies. Yeah, uh, yeah. I hope we can get back to those uh, old charming guy, horror films again. The guy
4: again. that played the mummies, the mummy was uh, the first guy I remember. Was uh, the guy who played Stony Brook in the B-Westerns.
1: Ah yes, right, and right.
4: The, that was him. But another another scary movie, and I think it was between the sixties and the seventies. It was one of the. It was the first one that came out. They made a second one later on. Was the Texas Chainsaw Massacres?
1: Yeah, that kind now, of I, that just never did it for me. Those types of um, oh, movies, and that and was that was one horrible. wasn't you know anywhere yeah. near as gory as some of the ones that are out today. But yeah, uh, uh, yeah Old Leatherface certainly yeah. was a. Yeah. Uh,
4: I don't know uh, if that was based on
1: Haunting the a lot ever, of people.
4: I, uh, that was a scary movie.
1: Because... Certainly it was. Whatever
4: you think of it, it could happen.
1: <laughs> it probably has. Uh, listen, Keith, great to hear from you. Thanks for checking in from Mississauga. We'll come back more Ask Me Anything. Open lines on The Conspiracy Show. 416-360-0740. Toll free from out of town. 1-866-740-4740.
0: Keeping an eye on the new world order. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. To speak with Richard, call 416-360-0740 or toll free 1-866-740-4740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. The truth is not out there. It's right here. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett from Zoomer Radio.
1: Rosemary Ellen Guiley will join us in the second hour. She has a new book, Fate Presents, UFOs and the E.T. Presence. But we'll also uh, talk about ghosts and goblins and things that go bump in the night. And we'll uh, carve out some time for you to speak to Rosemary as well. Right now, we continue on with Open Lines. Ask me anything. Let's go to Toronto and say hi to Mary. Hello, Mary. You are on the air.
5: Hello. Hi there. Uh, I have um, actually seen a ghost. In you my have. own apartment. And uh, the apartment was an unusual one because it was on two floors. And oh, there did
1: was... we lose... Oh, sorry, Mary, you cut out there. Sorry. Try that again.
5: It uh, The apartment was an unusual one in that it was on two floors. Okay. And there was sort of like a little corner nook, and I had a fern plant in there. And... I decided, oh, I'm going to bed. And across, directly across from the firm plant, on the other side of the room, I had a little night light that I had on in the living room. I walked halfway over to the light, and I don't know why something said turn around. And I turned around, and I saw the shoulders uh, down to the about the knees I think I would say it was a monk because of the robe he had on, and it was a dark brown, and it was tied uh, in the middle with a white rope.
1: That sounds like a monk.
5: Yeah, I, I don't know whether it'd be an abbot or a monk, but I'm assuming it was a monk.
1: Right. And
5: I looked at it, and I thought, what the heck, you know? I went over, and I turned out the light, and I went on upstairs, and I went to bed. Now, somebody said to me, weren't you frightened? And I said, no, for the simple reason, if it had been there all this time, it would have certainly done something before now. But I've never seen it again.
1: Just was this a full on apparition head to toe, or was it uh, somewhat transparent? What, no, no. what did it look it, like?
5: It was absolutely, no, it's just from the neck down to the knees. There was ah. nothing underneath it to show that it had legs or feet or anything on the floor. I never saw a head. Interesting. But I saw and the hands, how they folded into their uh, sleeves. Yes. The hands were folded into the sleeves, and it had this white rope with a crucifix hanging down.
1: And that was the one and only time you one saw One and
5: it. only time.
1: And did you ever investigate the history of this apartment building did it was it sitting on a uh, on a monastery or a no, church no, or something No I'm
5: right downtown Toronto right in Cabbagetown <laughs> Hm hmm. so I don't know where or how or what as I say it was a one time thing
1: And Well uh, you are what did you think of this poll that came out Group on sponsored a poll. Mm -hmm. Three in five people believe they have come face to face with a ghost at some point in their lifetime. Three in five.
5: I do believe that. That's
1: 60%. That's the majority of us. 60%.
5: And I do think there's something out there. And what it is, I don't know. But there, I, I do think there is something out there. There's, I really do believe a lot of things happen simply out of coincidence but there are other things that just can't be explained.
1: Right right so I I I, 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 uh, I was speaking with Jim Elvidge mm-hmm. um, who has been with me many times, he he's, he has a new book out. He'll be on uh, The Conspiracy Show in the next couple of weeks. Uh, he wrote a book called Digital Consciousness. And this isn't his new novel idea, but he certainly uh, believes there's a possibility that we are living in a, a computer simulation, that what we think is reality is, in fact... Uh, It's a simulation. It's 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 digital, yeah. And that and that, um, you know, this may explain a lot of paranormal activity. There's nothing paranormal about it. Uh, It's just sort of the blending together. um, Well, you know, like in a video game, a glitch. A a glitch, exactly. I was just going to say, in a video game, you get a glitch occasionally, and mm -hmm. this this might explain what that is. But
5: that also goes like. To uh, That's just another way, I think, of saying that there's another dimension we certainly are not
6: aware of.
1: Well, I think most theoretical physicists would agree with you that there are at least 12, I think, the last count, at least 12 hyper dimensions. Yeah. Now, the question is, what inhabits those dimensions?
5: (laughs) And do we really want to know?
1: Mm, part of me does. Yes. Part of me does. I'm
5: curious enough to want to know, but uh, also I think wise enough to stay as far back as I can.
1: You got that right. Mary, did you have a scary movie you wanted to mention?
5: Yes, I did. I, it was a movie that I saw as a child. It was called The Haunting of Hill House.
1: Oh, yes. And it was yes. in
5: black and white with Julie Harris was in it, Russ Tamlin. Claire Bloom, and the funny thing about this, it came on Sunday night at 9 o'clock when they used to have Sunday night movies at that time, and I got through the first part of it, and I went upstairs and I woke my brother up, because we were home alone, and I was the oldest. I woke my brother up and made him come down and watch it with me. So right. I was sitting on the living room floor, He was lying just across in front of me, and we're watching this. Then when a commercial break came on again, he went upstairs and got my younger sister, woke her up, brought her down. She was sitting behind me, and there's this one part where this, the wall, a door in the wall opens, and you see a face. And it's really just a human face, but you see it my sister almost ripped my the skin off of the back of me because oh, it dear. frightened her so bad we we all gave up after that we never really saw the end of the movie but i do i actually have it on a dvd and I, and you never see what was really haunting
1: Right. That's. They were very clever that way back in the day when they made movies. It was more suspenseful. Like you yeah. say, you never actually saw the monster or, the, you know, the, you didn't have to see the gore and the blood. Uh, that's all sort of gone by the boards, unfortunately, that kind of movie making. But I The, 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 the Haunting of the the, the... the Haunting of the What was it called? Him. Yes. And that was about a team of uh, investigators who went yes. to this house... Yes. Correct? Uh, uh, Paranormal investigators. Right. There was yes. a remake, I think, with Liam Neeson, if yeah, memory but serves. It
5: wasn't as
1: good. All I, right. I, Listen, Mary, great to hear from you. I got to run. You. We got a break. Well, uh, thank you. We'll come back. More open lines on The Conspiracy Show. If you're
0: sure your phone isn't tapped, call now 416 360 0740 or toll free at 1 866 740 4740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You want the truth? You can handle the truth. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. To get the truth, call Richard now at 416-360-0740 or toll free at 1-866-740-740. Four
1: Welcome back. Uh, let's say hi to Melanie. Melanie, welcome to the Conspiracy Show. Where are you calling from?
7: Uh, the Creamore area.
1: Beautiful Creamore. Mm hmm. All right. I love that beer. I got to be yeah. honest. Yes,
7: it's nice. Free samples. <laughs>
1: <They're> the best. <laughs> I, Anyways, all right. What do you yeah. got? What do you have for us, Melanie? Well, I
7: have more stories than I could probably fill in a book, but, um, you know, you just kind of think it's normal. I've had stuff happen since I was in my 20s. So, you know, this particular story um, in the High Park area when I used to live there, and I guess my son, who was four, had seen things, and, you know, he was kind of a shy kid, and he'd kind of bury his head in my, you know, we'd be watching TV and kind of bury his head, and I'd say, what, what's going on? He kept looking in the dining room. And I'd say, uh, you know, what's going on, you know? And he says, well, I see a shadow boy, which is interesting. And I'd say, well, tell him to go away, you know? And that's fine. Well, the next day, of course, it's daylight. And this is after, I think, my husband had passed. And I have stories from before that. But this is just a particular one. You don't expect a four year old to talk about people in the dining room. And he'd say, they're spacemen, mom. They're spacemen, and they're in the dining room. So I'd say, well, tell them to go away, because I couldn't see them. And uh, so, so he'd say, no, and he was afraid. He'd hide behind me. So I'd say, go away, spaceman. And then he'd hide behind me. And he'd say, Mom, Mom, they're not listening to you. One's got a knife, and he's, he's hitting the other one, and he's going into the floor.
1: Oh, dear.
7: A very very, weird, you know,
1: weird. You must have been, were you frightened at this point when Uh, he's talking to you? No, because
7: I had things happen in my life, and I just thought, well, he's just maybe Mm over-imaginating, imagining something, or the kids had let him see a Star Trek show or something, I don't know. I questioned them, and they said, no, no, he doesn't see any scary shows when we're alone with him or whatever. But other things had happened in the house, and I'd had experiences myself, and I'd Didn't really much want to even stay in that house anymore. So I'm telling you, there was one particular story, and I think it was after that point, and I'd wanted to move out of the house, and my husband had passed away from cancer not too long before, a few months before, and I was so tired after, you know, taking care of him, and and he'd had issues where he was seeing things before he died, and he was very lucid, not not on any drugs or anything like that, but he was seeing people in his room, and he would describe who they were and what they were doing, and, and uh, it, was, it was freaky, and it was freaky for him, because he would be afraid, and I'd say, well, you know, we're going to have to start putting something on the wall thing in the name of Jesus, you know, or whatever. And I'm right. not particularly a religious person, but very spiritual. Anyways, um, he did pass, and uh, I had been thinking about moving up to the Creamore area, and I guess I'm resting, uh, it's the evening, i had gone to bed, and I'm resting there, and you know, you're thinking about what you're going to do the next day, and laying there very comfortably, and all of a sudden something shoves, and I mean shoves, one leg into the other. I mean, my knees banged, and I thought, okay, it's going to be one of those nights, because I'd had issues before where you get a little push or something. Right. So I laid on my side, and I thought, I'm just going to ignore that, and, uh. Then I get a shove right in the shoulder, pushing me, and I thought, it's not your imagination. I mean, you know when you're getting pushed, and when the leg goes bang to the other leg, you think, well, did I just jerk or something like that? Right, you know, I right. almost going to sleep, but I wasn't, so I'm laying there on my side thinking I'm going to ignore this. And I'm laying there on my pillow when I realize the pillow next to me, which I'm not touching, is going right up on its end where I was almost touching my nose, and I just sat up, got the lights on, and I didn't sleep all night, and I never slept in that room until we moved after that, so that's one particular story, but I have a million, I mean, I've had things fly off shelves for no reason and whatever, and I moved up north to a really lovely old home, and I thought, well, I'll have it kind of blessed or cleared or whatever. I didn't want any right. issues with certain energies. and uh, and.
1: What sorry. did you use, sage or sweetgrass or
7: um, what did you no, do? No, I just had a, lady, a little lady that used to do clearing and energy work, and she was an ordained minister and whatever. And Did it help? Well, I was moving into this new house, so I didn't really have an issue with the new house, but I wanted to make sure it wasn't going to be like the old house. Mm-hmm. So,
1: right. And right.
7: as I say, I can tell you stories about things... Appearing out of nowhere, also, um, but that's other stories. Um, <laughs> so this particular house is a beautiful old house, 140 years old. And my grandmother had passed. This is just one particular story in this house. I never felt anything untoward in this home. I love this home. And one particular night, I'm doing research because I'm a, um, I work in real estate. Anyways, I uh, was doing some research to see what my grandmother's house might be worth, and I piled up all my MLS listings on the left side of the bed. It's a great big queen bed. And I put it on the floor in a pile, a nice neat pile. And my son that night had decided he was going to sleep in the hallway outside my room because that's where the air conditioner was. And it's a big old house and it's hot upstairs. So I thought, that's fine. My door is shut. And I wake up thinking I hear footsteps in the hall. And I thought, well... He's not up, is he? So I thought, no, just go back to sleep. It's nothing. And a few, maybe 10, 20 minutes later, I wake up again. I hear footsteps. And I'm thinking, well, I'm not a very good mom if I don't get up and see what's going on. Right, right. So he, um, I can hear him. He's a heavy breather. He's a mouth breather. He's only like eight at the time. He's on his sleeping bag. And he's kind of snoring, you know. And I thought, well, it's, it's not him, I don't think. So I went down the hall, looked around. And I looked back up the hall and I thought, well, I'm going to creep back and I'm going to kind of stand around him and see, is there a creak of the floor if I'm standing where he's laying and he's been rolling around or something? And it wasn't, I couldn't identify it. Well, I go back into my bedroom and, you know, I'd just gotten out of the bed on the right side of the bed, thrown all the covers back and stepped onto the, you know, to the right side of the bed and around to get out to the hall to see him. Well, when I came back into the room, I went you know, didn't turn any lights on. I went to go crawl back in bed, and my MLS papers are all over my bed. and oh, I strewn wow. All over my bed. So it's like, okay, pick them all up, put them neat, and I said, well, okay, acknowledge, you know, somebody's presence. You know, you can leave me alone now. And that's one particular story. I have another one, and uh, as I said, my, my husband had passed years before, and I wasn't here, well, maybe a year or so. And I thought, okay, I have sister sister's going to come over and do a wall mural for me. And uh, I thought I might as well tidy everything up. So I had made my bed, and I put my shams up, and a special two little pillows that I have. And I have a little teddy bear that I used to call Danny Bear, after my husband. Anyways, he never liked that bear. But anyways, I thought, <laughs> oh, I'm going to set the shams up, and then I'm going to set the two white pillows up, and I'm going to put Danny Bear in the middle. The bed's all neat, nice big comfort or you know like a thick duvet and I went into my son's room and I said you know you have to get up he's about five I said you have to get up and make your bed I said you know um, my stepsister's coming and you gotta have the room neat I want to show her the house well that's fine I thought oh darn I forgot something off my night table so I got stuff in my arms and whatever but I'm going back into the room to pick something off my night table and I thought what's this something strange my danny bear was at the bottom of the bed the pillows were strewn around the bed and there was an impression in the duvet like of a body (laughs) Mm. (laughs) i just thought okay dan if it's you you could have at least waited until i came back to bed <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> uh, that's all I said. You know, I mean, what can you do? There's stuff that goes on.
1: You're very on. nonchalant about it.
7: What well, I have to do? <laughs> be because I've had things happen. I mean, this is not a black and white world, is it?
1: No, so. indeed. Listen, Mary, those are uh, Melanie. My mm-hmm. apologies. Those are amazing stories. Oh, I got. And um, but anyway, so you are so yeah, sincere, yeah. and uh, yeah. I, I, I believe you definitely experienced something. Thank you for sharing. I appreciate it. Thank you. I hope you'll call again sometime. Uh, Melanie up in Cremor. Let's say hi to Baji in Ohio. Hello, Baji.
2: Hello, Richard. I wanted to ask you a question. I want to know if you think that the world will ever come to an end. And if so, will it be because of disease, famine, bad governments? And if so, could it happen very soon?
1: Um, Well, I mean, I do believe in the Bible. I do believe there will be, you know, an an end times, but not the end of the planet, not the end of humanity, just the end of, you know, the present order, if you will. That'll come to an end. Do I don't. Uh, is it very close? Hmm. That's you know, that's impossible. To, I don't. I don't like to get into a guessing game. Every other week, there's some somebody claiming the end is nigh, and uh, they've been doing that for well, probably since the Middle Ages. Uh, no, you know what? I'm actually quite positive about the future, at least the uh, the immediate future. Let's say the next couple of hundred years. I think technology. Uh, although I have to, I have to say, I am a little concerned about artificial intelligence. If we can get a handle on that, I think we'll be okay. But I think ultimately, technology is going to solve most of the ma- the world's major problems. Uh, so I'm I'm kind of bullish on the future. Uh, to be honest with you. That's not to say at some point, you know, again, as a Bible-believing Christian, there will be an end times, there will be uh, a tribulation, there will be an Armageddon, uh, there will be a second coming. But that's, you know, me talking from the pulpit. But um, I hope that answers your question. How about you? You
2: you know, I, I think it'll happen, but I'm having a hard time deciphering if I think it's soon or not. Uh, the Bible talks about when Israel would be reestablished as a nation. It was sort of usher in the end times, but that has been seventy years, and seventy years is a long time. And yeah. Uh, yeah. so, I, I, while I see it happening, I'm not sure if it's going to happen soon.
1: Well, it, we're supposed to behave like it's imminent. That's the main thing, right? We have to p- prepare. True. Baji, thank you.
2: Great yeah, to hear nice from talking
1: you. To you. Baji in Ohio. All right. Let's say hi, to. Do we have time to squeeze in one? Oh, I don't think we do. Uh, Ian, back in studio. Do we have time? Probably not. Well, there's the music. That answers that question. All right. Rosemary Ellen Guiley joins me next. She joins us next to talk UFOs and ETs and a ghost story or two, I'm sure. The Conspiracy Show. Back with more in a moment. Don't go away.
0: Listening to an exclusive podcast of the Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett, heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM (laughs) 740, live from Toronto, Canada. Earth, the Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett on Zoomer Radio.
1: Thanks for inviting me into your home, long-haul truck, RV, camper, taxi, your parents' basement, your loft, that greasy spoon just off the interstate, and your cabin in the woods. Hello to all of you listening in on our flagship station, Zuma Radio, AM 740 and 96.7 FM here in Toronto. How do to all of you checking us out on one of our affiliate stations across North America. And for a complete list of affiliates, go to Planet. Then find the Conspiracy Radio Program um, page, and right up in the top corner you'll see Affiliates. Just click on that. Howdy to those of you listening via the Conspiracy Show app and the Zoomer Radio app, both free downloads. Hi to those who uh, listen and watch on the live YouTube stream. And again, please visit our YouTube channel and hit the red sub button. And of course, hello to all of our regulars who join us in the live chat, wherever and however you're listening. I bid thee the warmest of welcomes, and I thank you for your fine company. All right, we are going to talk uh, UFOs, we're going to talk ghosts, and we're going to open up the lines and make them available to you as well. Rosemary Ellen Guiley is here for the full hour. She's a best selling author, researcher, investigator in the paranormal, metaphysical, and related fields, including afterlife studies, spirit communication, cryptids. ...alien contact and the interdimensional aspects of our extraordinary experience. She has more than 65 books published on a wide range of topics including including nine single-volume encyclopedias and reference works. Uh, Her work is translated into 17 languages... And she has worked full-time in the field since 1983. Let me just give you a sampling of some of her work. Uh, Haunted by the Things You Love, Ouija Gone Wild, Dreamwork for Visionary Living, Black Mirror Scrying, Calling Upon Angels, The Zozo Phenomenon, Demon Haunted, True Stories from the John Zaffis Vault, The Road to Strange, Werewolves and Dogmen, Guide to Psychic Protection, and uh, more recently, another uh, Fate magazine anthology on uh, the afterlife and her latest is another Fate uh, anthology. This is Fate Presents UFOs and the ET Presence, the website VisionaryLiving.com, VisionaryLiving.com. Rosemary Ellen Guiley, welcome back to The Conspiracy Show. Hello.
6: Hi there, Richard. Always a pleasure.
1: Indeed it is. It's been a while since you've written a book about UFOs, hasn't it?
6: Well, actually, I had uh, a book uh, the Road to Strange: UFOs, Aliens, ah, and High Strangeness, which came out in January.
1: That's right.
6: Yes, mark my first uh, books in the UFO field. I've written about UFOs in books and I've done articles, but uh, I'd never done a dedicated books to the topic. And I'm very pleased to to bring both of them out. The Road to Strange. Uh, has been uh, a big hit. It it, uh, landed on the Amazon category bestseller list, and um, the Fate anthology, UFOs in the ET Presence, just came out about two or three weeks ago, and it's the first of several uh, volumes dedicated to UFOs. Fate magazine published more on UFOs than any other topic in its entire history, and there's just a wealth of material.
1: And, and uh, they just recently celebrated their 70th anniversary, did they not?
6: Uh, let's see, that would be, uh, yes, uh, because the magazine was launched in 1948 um, on the heels of Kenneth Arnold's historic sighting of the flying disc over Mount Rainier in 1947, which um, is credited with launching the modern UFO era. And yes. over the course of time... Um, experts in all the fields of the paranormal, uh, Fortian research, cryptids, UFOs, metaphysics, afterlife research, uh, leading experts uh, have written for fate, and um, more than a 1,000 articles are, are in the vault. Now, I've been associated with fate in various capacities since um, the early 90s, I started out as a writer, then a columnist, then a consulting editor. Now I'm executive editor. And one of the things that I wanted to do was um, provide um, a new showcase for this um, uh, treasure of information that is still relevant today. The the articles have historical significance. Uh, They contain information that... Uh, is uh, just as applicable today as it was um, when whenever the article was written. And uh, this is a good way f- to get Fate introduced to a new audience, um, including uh, people who have been subscribers over the years.
1: Well, just, uh, let me just read from the table of contents to give people a sense of, of who uh, wrote articles about UFOs for Fate, and these are included... In the anthology, Rosemary Allen Giley has compiled, edited, and contributed some articles. But we mentioned Kenneth Arnold. Uh, there's an article in there from Kenneth Arnold. There's one from John Keel, of course, from the the Mothman uh, prophecies. John Keel has written um, at least one article. J. Allen uh, uh has an article. Brad Steiger, of course, who we just lost recently. Um, now I notice here Alan Sprague, which is interesting because Alan Sprague was a um, a Toronto broadcaster uh, who I believe at one time had a late night show at CFRB where i I toiled for many years. Um, let me see who else. We have um, Kevin Randall, of course, and Paula Harris. I mean, this is just Ingo Swan for crying out loud on remote viewing UFOs and extraterrestrials. This is really a veritable who's who? Uh, some real heavyweights, all of these. Uh, have People have contributed articles. Um, I wanted to ask you about an article that you submitted, and this has to do with uh, why science should investigate the evidence for ET visitation. And um, I just wanted to give you a few minutes to, just to kind of recap that article and, and make your case for any scientists out there that are listening.
6: Uh, well, of course, uh, various experts, uh, have, uh, made the pitch that science, uh, should be, pay more attention to UFOs. And I'm also, uh, in excellent company in this anthology because J. Allen Hynek, uh, has a piece, uh, to that effect as well. And, and, and as you know, before we get to my piece, um, Heinick started out as a skeptic, as a debunker, uh, working for Project Sign and Project Blue Book uh, for the Air Force, looking at cases and and collecting evidence, and became a convert himself. And uh, so, what uh, what we ran in Fate was a, a letter that uh, he sent to Science Magazine saying, you know, science scientists really have the wrong take on uh, UFOs uh, when they, they say that um, um, people are mistaken, they're hallucinating, they're crackpots and things like that. Uh, well, years later, um, I interviewed some people uh, who had uh, just published an article uh, about uh, ET visitation. Is it possible for ETs to um, visit Earth? And um, I interviewed James Deardorff, uh, Hal Putoff, and Bruce McAbee about their opinions about um, science and the ET visitation question. You know, is is there a logical explanation for ETs traveling a great distance uh, to be able to visit Earth? And personally, I think a lot of them are coming from interdimensional areas, not extra uh, terrestrial re- responses. But um, it's a Q&A, and uh, they talk about how polarized opinions are in science about ufology. And that really hasn't changed over the years, uh, despite the anecdotal evidence that uh, has piled up, uh, the eyewitness accounts, uh, even declassified documents from the government, uh science still remains very polarized over the question of uh um, whether or not we're being visited and even if we are being visited how we're being visited how it's possible uh so uh it was it, kind of an eye-opening interview Q&A with these gentlemen uh who are uh, all big names in the field in in science and some of their candid replies um, about um, the The ridicule factor in ufology, and that crops up over and over again. I just spoke at the Western Connecticut UFO conference yesterday, Richard, and um, my talk uh, drew upon uh, this book and on the road to Strange and uh, some other of of the work that I've done uh, about strange cases and and how do we explain them when the rules of logic don't apply and uh, the um, the eyewitnesses who are routinely uh, called um, crackpots or they were uh, supposedly drunk or they imagine things, in other words, they've got a problem and so therefore their experience needs to be dismissed out of hand. It just goes on and on and it's mind-boggling
1: indeed it is the the one of the conundrums i think for a scientist is i mean how do you even approach this topic because again it just i mean you've done an excellent job in in, in sifting through almost 800 um, 800 issues i think that the that fate has published since uh, over the last 70 years. So I mean I don't know how long this took you to compile all of these and find these these jewels that you that you've included in the anthology. But when you look down the table of contents, I mean it just it's a it it, it illustrates perfectly how uh, complicated this whole issue is. You've got a Nazi component. There's a an article in there about the Nazis and UFOs. You've got um you've got cryptids with the Mothman and, and, uh, and um, you know, people also also report Bigfoot sightings in conjunction with UFOs. Um, you've got Ingo Swan talking about uh, remote viewing and, and a number of people have talked about the psychic connection between um, ETs and themselves and so forth. It's just so complicated. I don't even know how we begin to study this thing from a scientific point of view.
6: Well, it, it is rather daunting. And, um, one of the things that, um, Maccabee, Deerdorf and Putoff addressed in, in the, uh, interview piece that I did with them was the extraterrestrial hypothesis. And, uh, that really took center stage in early ufology. It hasn't gone away by any means, but the, the extraterrestrial hypothesis, in other words, how do we explain scientifically these visitations? Uh, because the assumption was made that we're being visited by beings from other worlds that are at a great distance from us so how do they travel um essentially you know maybe even millions of light years Uh, Exactly.
1: Rosemary, I've got to jump in here. Pardon the interruption. We'll take a timeout. We'll come back and we'll get back to that alien hypothesis. Rosemary Ellen Guiley has compiled, edited and contributed to a Fate magazine anthology on UFOs called Fate Presents UFOs and the ET Presence. Back with more in a moment.
0: You're listening to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett from Zoomer Radio. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Where there's smoke, there's The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio.
1: Welcome back. Rosemary Ellen Guiley is with us, and uh, her new project is an anthology from Fate Magazine. Fate presents UFOs and the ET Presence. She has compiled, edited, and contributed articles uh, to this anthology. And uh, we were talking about the uh, the alien hypothesis uh, and, and how to explain uh, how, if we are being visited by extraterrestrial civilizations, how they could... Uh, arrive here on this planet from vast, unimaginable distances, perhaps hundreds of thousands of, of light years away.
6: And this has been a real stumbling block in ufology for a long time. I I, I really think the, the extraterrestrial hypothesis should be uh, set aside and that we concentrate on looking for other explanations. Now, in the interview I did Hal put off opine that perhaps uh, we might get somewhere with SETI, the search for extraterrestrial intelligence, uh, but um, the legs have been cut out uh, from under that. Uh, you know, it's lo- lost a lot of funding, and um, there just wasn't uh, a continued initiative um, al- along those lines. Um, More likely, um, most of our experiences are interdimensional rather than extraterrestrial, and uh, we might be able to find explanations for that with the new physics, uh, with quantum physics, uh, rather than, um, you know, looking at things conventionally. Uh, Do aliens travel in a craft, and so therefore how fast do they need to go, and do they find wormholes? Uh, I believe that these beings that we're calling extraterrestrials, many of them don't come from other planets. They come from parallel universes and dimensions that are very close to the one we're living in. And we're uh, looking at situations where um, there are gaps in the interdimensional boundaries and we have these breakthroughs. Uh, when we have visitations, and that that applies to other things as well. It certainly could apply to mysterious creatures, for example, and uh, even ghosts and hauntings.
1: Yes, you've often um, talked about how there is probably, underneath all of these paranormal, supernatural experiences, including the UFO phenomena, there is probably a common denominator
6: well, the, the the common denominator, I think, is consciousness, and uh, there is uh, something that requires a, a triggering of something in our consciousness for us to have these experiences, and uh, when we look at the patterns of experiences in individuals, uh, there are people who have um, more frequent experiences and more dramatic experiences than others. And that certainly applies in... Uh, ufology, um, people who have uh, frequent sightings of craft or they're targeted for abductions, um, and then other people who don't seem to to have any sort of uh, experiences, e- even sightings of mysterious lights in the sky. And um, research, uh, there ha- um, has been indication that, that um, the government in the U.S. has been conducting research for a long time on the psychic factor, looking for genetic um, markers for certain psychic traits that indicate a predisposition to having certain kinds of experiences, including the UFO experience, and that this marker might be enhanced through, um, literally through breeding, and uh, that uh, they have Uh, Found uh, volunteers to uh, to have their DNA uh, tested for these certain markers. They seem to run in families. Uh, Not much is known about these programs. I did a a column. I I have an occasional column on OnStellar.com called UFO Underground, and I did report on that earlier in the spring. And um, I think some other ufologists have also reported on it as well. Uh, And this could be. The, the path that that secretly um, agencies, government agencies, are really pursuing and trying to understand the whole visitation question, um, and uh, maybe there's uh, even a, a distraction given to the public um, for us to continue to think on on one level that uh, they're still flying around in in physical craft uh, when in fact uh, it's it's an interdimensional, even beyond linear time kind of experience that's closely connected to human states of consciousness.
1: Well, that's interesting. Uh, and, and you mentioned that maybe, you know, we have to stop thinking about them as being these m- mechanical, physical uh, craft, uh, which, which leads me actually to a, a, a chapter from Brad Steiger that's included in the anthology, Are UFOs Alive? What is that about? What, is he, what did Brad Steiger, the late great Brad Steiger, mean when he asked that question? Are UFOs alive?
6: Well, there are uh, two articles on that. Uh, John White also did an article on living UFOs based on the work of uh, Trevor James Constable, who was probably the first person in the field, uh, and Steiger references him, all, and also uh, another uh, man, Faye Clark, who was very influential upon Steiger and his thinking that uh, what we're looking at in the sky are not hard craft like an automobile might be or an airplane uh, but living organisms that uh, can um, exist uh, in our atmosphere and uh, that they're intelligent and sentient and they have the capability of, of uh, shape-shifting and morphing as well and interestingly uh, they're you know how fiction, uh, and science fiction especially, sometimes precedes uh, what, uh, what science does and what popular thinking um, uh, turns to. And in uh, 1913, uh, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, who everybody knows uh, from the Sherlock Holmes mysteries, yes. uh, he also wrote on vampires and a lot of other phenomena, but he published a story called The Horror of the Heights, in which he describes um, living organisms in the sky that were very similar to what Trevor James Constable was talking about. And uh, here's a work of fiction. Uh, and I do believe that fiction writers often uh, get an idea from maybe the great Sargasso Sea out there uh, of, of things that wind up being um, documented by uh, researchers as uh, physical fact uh, much later on. But Steiger also uh, was interested in that about um, are at least some of these things that we're calling craft, uh, are they living organisms, and might this be why uh, we don't have uh, the nuts and bolts that so many ufologists have uh, looked for?
1: Well... Jesse Marcel uh, Sr. thought he was handling some um, some of the nuts and bolts of a, of a downcraft, which brings us to, of course, you can't have an anthology about UFOs without talking about Roswell. And there's an interesting uh, disc- uh, article submitted by uh, Kevin Randall um, about an interview he did with uh, Phil Kaufman, uh, who was stationed at Roswell, I guess Army Airfield, and may have born witness to the actual crash um, uh, of um, at least one uh, flying saucer at near Roswell and then perhaps also was involved in the retrieval can you kind of walk us through the uh, the chapter and the discussion with Phil Kaufman
6: uh well it's an interesting case because as Kevin Kevin Randall puts it, you know, this might be like the last witness to uh to Roswell and yes we do have evidence of physical craft. So um you know, my feeling is that not we we can't categorize UFOs as all of one thing or another. Uh the fact that they seem to be so elusive might point to an interdimensional consciousness, perhaps morphing living organisms sort of thing, but then we do have evidence of physical craft as well. Well, Kaufman was in the uh, Air Force and uh, was stationed at Roswell, and uh, he said that um, uh, at at the time of the incident, this craft, this unknown craft, registered on radar and was tracked as it uh, kind of uh, looped around in the sky and uh, when it exploded on crashing, it sent off uh, an incredible burst of EMF energy, electromagnetic uh, energy, and that the craft came down in what's now known as the Hubcorn um, Farm. Uh, private property, uh, which was not the site that so many uh, researchers believe that uh, the debris was actually located. And I did actually go to the Hubcorn uh, site myself some years ago. And he said that uh, that he was one of the ones who went out there. And uh, he said the craft uh, was triangular in shape with rounded corners. It was about 15 to 20 feet wide at the widest part. And there was uh, a dead alien sitting uh, propped up against a rock um, a short distance away from the craft. And he was very unsettled by it. This was, it was diminutive, uh, with um, humanoid in appearance. It had a head larger than a human head. And in its its death pose, it had a very serene look on its face, like it had just found the ultimate peace. And there was something about the expression on this uh, alien's face that just unsettled him greatly, and that uh, the bodies were all taken away, and and the debris, of course, uh, were all taken away. Well, Kevin Randall did quite a bit of research around Kaufman's story, and he did cover some inconsistencies, that uh, Kaufman uh, changed some details in his story from time to time, and that a lot of it could not be corroborated. Um, but nonetheless, it's uh, another piece of important eyewitness account uh, around one of the greatest mysteries in ufology.
1: Of course, uh, Kaufman passed away in, in 2001. Um... So as you say, perhaps one of the last uh, witnesses and now even the children of the uh, the witnesses at Roswell are getting on. So as Don Schmidt likes to say, uh, we are really in a race against the undertaker. Um, I, at this point, I, I don't know that we'll ever, ever find out definitively what happened at Roswell. Do you?
6: Probably not, and even as documents get declassified, uh, it's still a selective declassification, and uh, I think that um, we're allowed to know what uh, government agencies want us to know in many of these cases, and we, we may never find out the real truth. We have compelling testimony from people who say they witnessed at least pieces of what went on, uh, and there's, there's really no way to prove or disprove uh, their testimony. Um, the idea that uh, we have had alien crashes certainly is plausible, that if there are beings uh, in physical craft visiting, um, there would be accidents, just like we have air accidents. and. Uh, are these completely cleaned up by government agencies? Uh, that's the big question.
1: There's also an interview with uh, Dr. Jacques Vallée included in the anthology. And it's interesting because uh, he has sort of reemerged emerged uh, on the scene after... I'm not sure how long, uh, maybe a decade away, um, he started showing up occasionally at UFO conferences again. Tell me a little bit about uh, uh, the Valet interview that's in the, uh, in the anthology.
6: Well, one interesting thing about Valet is um, that he did evolve, um, or I should say he has. Uh, he has evolved in, in his views about uh, UFOs. And, uh, for example, he was uh, an early critic of John Keel's, and Keel came out with uh, a lot of really radical ideas in the early 70s in books like Operation Trojan Horse and Disneyland of the Gods, um, arguing against the extraterrestrial hypothesis that um, what we're really dealing with is an interdimensional phenomenon, and that... uh, uh, alien beings are tapping into our consciousness, and they're playing around with us. And Steele right. took a, a very dark view on this, and and for that he was roundly criticized as a crackpot by u- ufologists. Uh, and Valet was one of his critics. And then um, within a couple of decades, um, in uh, Valet came around to a lot of the same viewpoints that right. there was um, an a- there is an alien intelligence um, that um is able to um to interact with us in ways that the extraterrestrial hypothesis can't explain and And he
1: wrote a book called uh, messengers uh, of deception are
6: not stupid you know they know what they see and science should pay more uh, more attention uh, to what the eyewitnesses are uh, are describing and um uh, you know Hynek went through a similar evolution of thinking, and um, I think it's, it's good to point that out because uh, there are researchers in the field who uh, get wedded to a viewpoint, and they stick to that viewpoint no matter what evidence uh, is discovered, and then look for you know increasingly ridiculous ways to, to stick to that viewpoint. Uh, when, in fact, we really do need to, to be able to um, change our theories and our opinions uh, as the evidence uh, advances.
1: Right. You mentioned John Keel, and, and he came to uh, believe that there was sort of a, a, a sinister agenda. Uh, and you mentioned that that um, Dr. Valet sort of came around to that way of thinking because he he wrote a book called Messengers of Deception. And I'm I'm just I, I don't know where Dr. Valet is right now in his thinking. Has he is does he still believe that? Do you know that there that, that, that there may be kind of a sinister agenda uh, with, with ETs? Well, as
6: as far as I know, I um, I. I don't think we've heard much from him um, recently, uh, but that, that was the evolution of his thinking. And, uh, you know, he examined a lot of the abduction cases. Uh, we really didn't have a whole lot of literature on the abduction cases and, until the, the um, uh, 70s and 80s. Uh, even though abduction cases uh, were taking place before that. Just look at the Tahunga Canyon cases from the 50s in, in uh, Los Angeles and in Brazil. Um, and I have Scott Corrales uh, documenting the Brazilian cases, including the V.S. Boas case, uh, which was very uh, um, famous. Um, and so um, some, some researchers have come to that conclusion about the deception end of it, that uh, the way these um, encounters take place and the way uh, human beings are kind of played with and manipulated um, and uh, led to uh, to think certain things about the aliens, that uh, there may be a lot of deception going on. Um, Keel's opinion was that, hey, there's nothing we can do about it. Uh, there's a cos- cosmic trickster at work, and uh, we're just um, victims of it. We'll never really know the answers, um, and I think we will know the answers at some point. Uh, I think. All
1: right, we'll we'll take a time out here. Rosemary, stay with us. Fate Magazine presents UFOs and the ET presence. Back with more of the conspiracy show. Don't go away. This is no place for the naive or the
0: faint-hearted. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. The truth is not out there. It's right here. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio.
1: Hey, welcome back. Hey, incidentally, if you want to help support the show, we are now on Patreon. So uh, check out our page on Patreon, patreon patreon.com, and just... Uh, Search The Conspiracy Show. Rosemary Ellen Gilea stays with us, and we'll continue to talk about UFOs, but we should uh, also uh, touch on um, other areas, aspects of the paranormal. We are approaching Halloween, of course, and uh, we won't get a chance to speak with Rosemary before Halloween. Uh, Incidentally, what's happening this year with you and Halloween? Do you have a big uh, paranormal conference or a big investigation going on?
6: Well, every year I go to Salem, very close to Halloween, and I'm uh, there for a number of events. I do my big black mirror scrying event uh, the weekend before Halloween, and um, we do the balls. Uh, we uh, Joe and I are part of a crew for um, a dumb supper event, which is a meal for honoring the dead. So we're there for almost a week. And uh, then on Halloween night uh, itself, I'm going to participate in the Ghost to Ghost special on coast to coast.
1: <laughs> that's that's a classic. And um, have you had any unusual experiences at Salem over the years?
6: Salem is quite haunted, and I did a book called Haunted Salem. Uh, where I spent a great deal of time there and investigated a lot of the haunted spots. Uh, and there's a lot of residual phenomena, which I have experienced, that uh, really goes back to the old uh, witchcraft trials from 1692. And uh, the remnants of that are still in town. I think there was such an emotional intensity around that witch craze and uh, the 200 or so people who were arrested and accused of witchcraft and the 19 who uh, were executed uh, and lost their lives, it really left a psychic scar on the town. And uh, the ghosts of some of those victims are still about in the restaurants and shops. Uh, the main part of Salem has uh, underground tunnels that connect a lot of uh, the shops, and those tunnels are haunted. Um, and uh, some of the outlying areas uh, around town are as well. So it's always uh, a spooky experience to go to uh, Salem at any time of the year, but then uh, when you've got the Halloween season and um, the folklore about the veil between the worlds being the thinnest, and so much attention focused upon the dead, it really adds a lot of collective energy that helps to uh, amplify the phenomena.
1: So that is true, that that, um, on Halloween, the veil that separates this world from uh, the netherworld or the other side is at its thinnest. Does that mean that spirit communication, uh, its... you're you're more likely to have success with, let's say, uh, a Ouija board or uh, some sort of divination on Halloween?
6: Well, traditionally, the belief is yes. And this goes back uh, a long ways to uh, Celtic festivals, the Celtic festival of Thauan, which is what Halloween is today. It was um, an end-of-the-season harvest festival. And uh, there were beliefs centuries ago that at this time uh, there's um, a shift in in the boundaries in the veil and that um, uh, the dead are able to come into the world of living. And so all of these customs arose for dealing with the spirits who had kind of a night out on the town, so to speak. And uh, there would be rituals to placate the dead, to communicate with the dead, give food offerings, and uh, wear disguises so that uh, spirits uh, could be tricked and um, that they would, wouldn't would follow you home, for example. And these customs have survived in many ways over the years. Uh, they've become our trick-or-treating customs. Uh, that evolved over um rituals of of going to ask for food for the dead, uh, and uh, our uh, parties and uh, other rituals for honoring at, the dead at this time originally were intended to keep the dead at bay, you know, that uh, they would be in the world of the living uh, during this time, uh, but they would uh, want to be encouraged to go back to their world uh, at the end of it. And today, uh, we have um, a lot of rituals for communicating with the dead uh, through seances and with various devices, including the Ouija board, um, rituals to honor the dead, like the Dumb Supper, which is one of my favorites. Uh, and then the Black Mirror event that I do is uh, using black mirrors uh, for the purpose of contacting the dead. And uh, people do have... Uh, communication. They do make contact. And uh, for many people, it's a surprise. Uh, they might try it because they're a little on the skeptical side. They just want to see what happens. And for other people, they really come seeking contact because they uh, they want to convey a message or get a message or have some kind of closure.
1: How does black mirror's scrying work?
6: It's uh, a piece of glass that's painted or coated black on the uh, reverse side, and so it becomes uh, a dully reflecting mirror. Um, It's uh, shiny, and it will reflect things, not as well as a silvered mirror, but when it's positioned properly in dim light, it becomes like a a blank slate, like a chalkboard, and when you gaze into it uh, in dim light, that fatigues the physical eyes, and The black mirror then takes on um, a consciousness-altering property of becoming like a doorway to the astral plane or the other world, a bridge world where uh, we can solicit communication with the dead. And uh, this also goes back to ancient times uh, when the Greeks used shiny surfaces to uh, contact the spirit world and to withdraw into dark places for the same purpose as well.
1: All right, Rosemary, I've got to take a timeout. We'll come back. We'll uh, c- continue to touch on uh, that, uh, some more UFO topics as well. We'll also open up the phone lines, questions, comments for Rosemary Ellen Guiley, 416-360-0740, 740 4740 When in doubt, blame the government. You're listening to
0: The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM 740. When you look at the sky, ever wonder if someone's looking back? This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio. To speak with Richard live, call 416 360 0740. Or toll free at
1: 1-866-740-4740. And we are back with Rosemary Ellen Guiley. At the website VisionaryLiving.com. VisionaryLiving.com. Her new project is an anthology, Fate Presents UFOs and the E.T. Presence. I want to get back to that in a moment, but I want to finish up our discussion on uh, divination. We were talking Halloween and uh, uh, black mirror scrying. Uh, have you had any success with this technique?
6: I have and indeed, Richard. I've used black mirrors for um, a good number of years. They're very good for strengthening psychic ability, for uh, sharpening up clairvoyance. They can be used for other purposes besides contacting the dead. You can uh, contact spirit guides, um, even angels. You can use them for divination of the future look into the past um... they've been used for past life regression um, i uh... had paranormal groups take them out on investigations uh... they've been used in seances and i've used them in seances too for mediumistic kinds of communication so i've, I've had quite a bit of success with them throughout the years and uh... joe my husband and i have conducted many workshops all over the country next year where Doing black mirror workshops in England as well, um, and we've witnessed people have having astounding experiences with the mirrors. Um, some people don't, uh, at least right at first. Um, I think a lot of it depends on how willing you are to uh, suspend disbelief and and go with your experience. Some people. Um, um, analyze and, uh, you know, they have a tendency to dismiss things as imagination when, in fact, it's their psychic faculty taking over. Uh, People will see things in the mirror. Uh, They will hear voices, feel touched. We've had um, apparitions manifest in the room while people are uh, mirror gazing, and uh, all kinds of things can happen. We We actually had a pet manifest, Uh, for the very first time in one of our sessions that we did in Michigan this summer. And um, at the end, we invite people to share their experiences. And a woman described in great detail and very emotionally how she had uh, seen a a very beautiful uh, field uh, setting, and she was reunited with uh, two of her pet dogs uh, who had passed over. And uh, it was a very emotional experience for her. Well, the woman next to her had had an experience Well, where, while she was gazing into the mirror, she saw in the room a small dog uh, dart under this woman's chair and then disappear. And uh, we figured that this was uh, a manifestation of one one of the pets that she uh, uh, this other woman had connected with in the mirror scrying.
1: Hmm. Uh, let's go to the calls and say hi to Joey in Arkansas. Joey, good morning. Welcome to The Conspiracy Show.
8: Hi, good morning, Richard. I've, I've uh, really enjoyed the, the show and the guests. Uh, Rosemary, how, how are you?
6: Oh, I'm uh, doing well, thank you. It's uh, the busy season.
8: Yes, ma'am. Is that a question about uh, something earlier you talked about, the uh, UFOs. Uh, I remember... I think it was around 2001 was probably the latest. There was a UFO discovered on the beach that had, uh, I, don't, I don't know if they say it washed ashore or, uh, but it had uh, hieroglyphics on the side of it. And uh, I remember seeing it uh, when it, when it came out what, from, from uh, sources on the internet, but it's been since been removed. And I was, on the internet, I can't find any pictures on it, and I wondered if you had any knowledge about that um, particular discovery, for the hoax or what your opinion on that was. Can you
1: be a little more specific? Where did it wash ashore?
8: Oh man, Richard, I, I can't. I can't remember. It was a. It was a tropical island. I do know that. Uh, I don't know. Does that I, sound I don't familiar, know the Rosemary? It was in. Um, but, I
6: mean. Nothing uh, on a tropical isle is coming to mind. Um, I, I don't know what case that would be. Uh, but uh, there are other cases where people have recovered debris from um, alleged crashes, and, um, or they've witnessed uh, something being taken away, like the Kecksburg case um, in uh, Pennsylvania back in the 60s, uh, where an object crashed into a lake um and people said they saw uh an a kind of a cone-shaped object under a tarp being carted away by the military uh so there is physical evidence out there um as well as the evidence that uh, at least some of these craft do seem to be more um shape-shifting uh in in nature and uh, perhaps uh, other Contactees and witnesses have also uh, talked about their impressions that these craft are, uh, at least in part, living organisms as well. But I'm sorry, I don't know the exact case you're referring to.
1: Yeah, we need some more details. If you can, if you can remember any other details, get back to us, Joy, or even um, send me a, an email or uh, a text. You can email me at RichardSarat1 at gmail.com. And then if we have some more details, then maybe we may uh, be able to, uh, you know, to answer the question a little better. But thank you for checking in from Arkansas. Well, speaking of physical evidence, uh, there is, uh, and you uh, you dedicate a chapter of uh, about this in the anthology, Fate Presents, UFOs in the ET Presence. And that has to do with angel hair, or something that Looks like almost like a cobweb, as if these crafts are ejecting something out of the craft. Uh, talk to me about uh, angel hair. This goes back to the nineteen fifties. It seemed to be kind of a that kind of be that seemed to be kind of a, a hot period for for this discussion on angel hair because we don't hear an awful lot about it now.
6: Well, uh, we certainly don't, and it seems that uh, ufology goes through waves of things. Uh, which is quite interesting in and of itself, with different characteristics uh, holding forth for a while and then morphing into something else. Uh, this article was done by Ray Palmer, who was one of the co founders with C- Curtis Fuller of uh, Fate magazine and The angel hair uh, is is kind of a wispy a white uh, substance that um, has been uh, or was uh, found on the ground, for example, after there'd been uh, UFO activity. Um, some of it was even collected and uh, chemically analyzed. Uh, in one case, um, Palmer talks about um, an analysis that showed the substance to be organic and that it could be dissolved in hydrochloric acid and that it had inflammable uh, characteristics as well. And um, there were speculations that, well, this wasn't really coming from UFOs. It was probably you know the, the debunker and the skeptic side of it. Um, it was uh, kind of like silky kinds of threads that uh, we find in milkweed that floats around, cottonwood, uh, and things like that but this uh, angel hair uh was a commonly reported characteristic for uh, some years and then just kind of um, literally vanished i mean we rarely hear about angel hair any anymore and uh, his speculation was are are ufo's ejecting something uh, from right. the craft could this be like perhaps waste that they they might dispel into the atmosphere Uh, It was also described...
1: uh, I'm sorry, he also made the suggestion that it could be like uh, chaff, which is sometimes ejected by fighter planes during World War II. It was used in other uh, other eras to confuse radar.
6: That's right, yes, and um, maybe it would have that property as well. Um, There were some descriptions of it as more foam-like rather than silky thread, uh, that there seemed to be some variations in these substances. Uh, And um, uh, there was one case from um, 1957 uh, where this foam-like substance uh, was actually touched and that it had kind of a numbing effect. And nobody ever was able to ascertain exactly what um, this angel hair uh, range of substances, exactly what they exactly were, and what their purpose was. Uh, I did like the explanation about um, the uh, the radar, um, something to confuse radar, that uh, our own terrestrial craft had used, and that, um, who knows, maybe the alien craft were uh, trying to throw us off their trail with the ejection of angel hair. But then that raises the question uh, if it was some sort of effective thing for uh, aliens to uh, to eject Back then, what changes occurred that it rarely happens anymore?
1: Well, that was 60 years ago. Uh, I mean, who knows? We evolve, perhaps so, so too have they. Maybe their technology is just better now. They don't need that anymore.
6: Well, it could be, and I I also think it's because we've made some shifts in consciousness, and there has been more of an inquiry now on the nature of human consciousness and the fact that these experiences may take place in alternate realities. They're not physical experiences on Earth uh, in 3D reality, but um, a lot of these contact experiences and sightings um, involve these alternate realities.
1: Rosemary, how do people get a copy of Fate Presents UFOs and the E.T. Presence?
6: It is available on Amazon and in select bookstores right now. The e-book will be coming out next week.
1: Fantastic. And again, the website is VisionaryLiving.com. Rosemary, until next month, uh, you have a, a terrific Halloween.
6: Well, you stay out of trouble, Richard. (laughs)
1: no no danger at this point that I'm going to get into any kind of trouble (laughs) all the best Rosemary, thank you
6: thank you Richard, good night
1: good night All right. back next week with a brand new program, in the meantime, don't be afraid there is nothing concealed that won't be revealed and nothing hidden that won't be made known what you hear in the dark, speak in the light and what I say in a whisper proclaim from the housetops Move over, Aphrodite. I'm coming upstairs. Good night.